Hello listeners and welcome to today's episode of Blind Insights. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different in that we are going to do the last episode in a series first and then record the rest of the episodes after. So today you're going to meet John Duncan who was an infantry platoon sergeant in the Australian Army and is now regarded as a a very promising up-and-coming painter in Australia. And today we're going to cover his story from coming to the end of his military career and then his transition to becoming an artist and everything that went along with that so that you have a good way to understand his broader story later on. So I hope you enjoy it and keep in mind there will be more episodes to come with John. The ultimate hidden truth of the world is that it is something that we make and could just as easily make differently. David Graeber 1961 to 2020. Welcome to Blind Insights. I'm joined today by David Olney. How are you, David? Very well, thank you, Tim. With a big black coffee cup today because I've gone super size. Because I was very excited about talking to John for an extended period of time. So I got <laughs> the big coffee big black coffee too it's, mm. it's like less pink than normal yes i know i'm very confused by this even though i can't see it it's not sending off the pink vibe <laughs> it denotes perhaps the the serious note to the uh, sequel to the prequel episode that we're recording joined by a special guest john duncan thank you very much for being here yeah no worries um so i'll, I'll start off just a quick brief um on my career so i joined in 1992 and um obviously infantry corps um and you'll hear later on um in the series um a bit more detail about that um so i did 26 years um i got out uh, medically in um may of 2019 um so under you know medical discharge um and obviously medical discharge for me wasn't a real comfortable process um i kind of describe it going from hero to zero um and for soldiers that can be a you know particularly hard thing to kind of uh, confront and accept. Um, so I went through that uh, process as part of um, obviously addressing some of my injuries and, uh, and all that stuff. Um, I obviously had the, some mental health issues. Um, I won't go through uh, what they are because uh, a lot of people like to uh, put a brand on uh, things like PTSD and so on. And I don't really want to talk about that stuff. I think it's, you know, mental, veteran mental health in, uh, in its entirety is uh, is all very important. Um, so um, I went through the hospital process as part of uh, addressing this, uh, my mental health. Um, and as part of that, um, I was introduced to um, art. Um, so my wife actually uh, went and spoke to the uh, the arts coordinator when I was in hospital and uh, said, look, he can draw. Um, and it started from there. Uh, so I just started drawing and drawing um, and using my time in in hospital to kind of uh, you know make make uh, effective use of the time um, and I found it was a really good um, tool just to to rest my brain. So when uh, did you start drawing, John? Was it something you'd done as a kid and then forgot about sort of for all the years of the frenetic pace? Yeah, of, you know, I, East Timor onwards. Yeah, look, I I. Um, I did draw a lot when I was a kid. Um, I was very much interested in art at school. I, I, um, you know, I did art subjects all through my secondary schooling, and I did really well at it. Um, 
But as you can kind of understand, joining the military is not really. There's not an really arts a career. position for it. No. Yeah. I mean, we do have um, like public relations, and yeah. we've got you know photographers and people that do that stuff. But it's you know it's nothing more than that. It would have um, meant not being an infantry platoon sergeant. Like it's one career path or the other. Well, actually, this is what this is. Um, I mean, we'll go into a bit more detail about how I got into the arts in a bit more, more time down the track. But being in infantry is actually you actually have to be creative. You, you, yeah. Oh, I didn't say you didn't have to be creative. I just said there was no room to draw as part of the official duties. Well, <laughs> no, I, I, when I was, I served in, um, I was in recon for a while and we used to do field sketching. Oh, so, yep. Okay. Um, and I actually used to, mm. um, I used to get stabbed with that because no one really wanted to do it anyway. Because you I, were really good at it. Well, yeah. They just said, well, you can do it. You know, you like it. Um, you know, half these guys couldn't really draw and they just, oh, we have to do it. Um, but I kind of yeah I really gravitated to it so I used to teach teach the field sketching component on the reconnaissance courses um you know panoramic sketching um you know even down to uh looking at simple image capture and stuff like that so and that would have been great because it would have taught you to capture things really quickly and to get to the essence of things yeah and look it's a very important thing to be able to do um as part of that role and not just in the reconnaissance area but all through the, recon- the the infantry type of roles, you need to be able to look at something and put it to scale, um, be able to describe stuff. And, you know, when you're giving, say, orders groups, even making mud maps um, and those types of things, putting them to scale, having it so that someone can understand something you produce with your hands. Um, so all of that stuff is still relative, and I don't think we actually understand that we're doing it. Um, so that's where I kind of say, well, you know, I'd... Like you said, I had a bit of an interest when I was a child and did some, gravitated to some of it in the military. Um, but then that kind of back, went back into, the, you know, this started turning into, into a, um, a mindfulness thing. Um, and I, I think a lot of people might think that mindfulness is a bit of a, you know, airy-fairy type of thing, but it's... That's it's, awesome. It's actually quite real. Um, and I think for me, um, just from my, my background when I talk about this stuff I think people actually listen um, because you know I did come from that infantry background and I'd start talking about mindfulness and I'm saying it's real uh, people look at me and go look at this big burly guy and you know he's, he's taking it seriously maybe yeah. I should take it seriously well yeah. you know he um, worked in that environment in the other environment he's working now in this and yeah he's taking it quite seriously and it if he says it's real it prob- probably is um, mm. so um, so yeah so um, I started doing there and got into the mindfulness stuff um, and didn't really realise that that's what it was about. Um, I just did it. Um, and I'd be draw, I'd draw and draw for hours um, and next time I'd look at my watch and three or four hours had gone past. What did you like drawing when you started drawing in the hospital? Everything, anything? Um, so I started off just um, kind of copying pictures um, and I'd, I'd actually gone to Italy um, 12 months prior to that. So I had some pictures on my phone and I just started drawing those. And I think maybe as part of the mindfulness thing, I was drawing those pictures because they were happy memories. Yeah, you know, reinforcing I mean, not, positives. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and look, the hospital environment's uh, quite confronting. Um, you know, it's uh, you're handing your responsibility over to someone else um, whilst you're getting some medical health treatment. Um, and, you know, it might be a fancy new building and you hang around some really cool people and... Um, you've got some really nice doctors and nurses, but it's still a very confronting type of place to be. So trying to put a bit of 
bit of positivity back into it. I think was maybe that's what I did. Um, but again, I didn't really think much about it. I just saw, saw a cool picture of my phone and I thought that's what I'll do. I didn't really think too deeply into anything. And um, in a sense, that's an interesting path into mindfulness because seeing the photo and going, I'll draw that. Yeah. That's got all these positive things going on and these positive connections being formed yeah. without consciously thinking about it. It's a really good foundation. And your know, listeners, mindfulness is not some otherworldly thing. It's tapping into something that's already there and just making it a bigger part of your day. Yeah, and, and look, I was at that particular stage in hospital where, um, you know, day one, week one, first thing I need to do this week is, or this day is, get out of bed. And then day two get out of bed so it was right, right back to simple stuff yeah um and this was just that added little thing in there that oh, i didn't even realize at the time it was actually starting to give me some purpose so i went from here out of zero and suddenly i found a little bit of purpose micro level um and i probably didn't even realize it at the time yeah. and then slowly that grew and grew um and i started actually realizing well i'm actually with you know not blowing wind up my bottom but uh i'm going okay at this i'm actually able to draw quite well so i've got youtube out in my room and started watching videos on how to draw and paint and all that type of stuff and then i'd come out and then i'd try some of those techniques and i was actually starting to train myself um so i just keep tapping kept tapping away with it um and because you'd spent so long in training roles there's this default bit again mindfully you know how to learn how to learn and then how to teach yeah and and the i mean just drawing is a it's a it's a uh, behavioral method of kind of doing stuff mm. so you know what did i do in the military 90 percent of it was behavioral stuff um you know training weapon system you know and um teaching guys to do certain actions with their hands and do that to me giving an order to mm. put a weapon in a weapon state as simple as that is um to then you know pencil on my hand have to do this have to do that look at these particular points so I just kept putting myself through that and skill set started developing kept developing and developing and developing um and then i was actually producing some some good stuff and i I think the way that i kind of measure it was good was because i'd have people walk behind me and go holy crap did you draw that and that's that wonderful thing it, it you know in psychological terms it's called social proof yeah. When people around you who you respect start going, wow, that's really good, you go, well, hang on, I know how to build skills, I'm building skills at this, and now I'm getting positive feedback. So you get that wonderful thing of competence gets you to the point of someone giving you some feedback, then you get a bit of confidence, and confidence builds the desire for some more competence, and then you end up in a wonderful confidence, competence, confidence cycle. Yeah, which then, is so healthy. And then the positive reinforcement then leads into, well, this is now your new purpose. So, you know, and that's this is a very, very difficult thing that I believe veterans go through is when you lose, lose your purpose, um, it's a massive battle to go and find out what your next purpose is going to be. Yeah. Um, and I found it in hospital, which I didn't think that that's where I would find it. Um, so... Yeah, so I, I got out of hospital and I, I kept uh, kept in the arts world and um, I just kept, again, developing my skill. And uh, I found when I was having um, problems at home and I was had high anxiety and all of that stuff, if I if I just went and grabbed some materials and went to my kitchen table and just drew or painted or whatever I needed to do, 
it would level me back out again. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was positive reinforcement. So I knew that if I was struggling in a particular area like that, that that's what I needed to go and do. Um, and, you know, there was a couple of other things I used to do if I, I used to have trouble getting to sleep. So I'd, you know, take my sleeping medications and that wouldn't actually get me to sleep. But if I took my dog for a walk after I'd take my sleeping meds, then that would get me to sleep. So I'd just different things that I used to trial. You know, it was arts. It was, you know, getting myself to wind down because this is another thing that we struggle with because of hypervigilance yeah. and, we, and hypervigilance is trained into us. Um, you you know, have to so. train it out or at least train yourself to say, look, I want to go to sleep now, which means take the tablet, take the dog for a walk, settle the body, settle the mind, settle the dog and use that process day in, day out because once again, processes work. They well, send the right information to the body and the brain. Well, even even things like um, probably the, oh, I'll even just talk about patrolling. Um, so patrolling for an infantry soldier is done everywhere. Um, foreground, middle ground, background left to right, right to left. You're checking your your, um, your environment. You're doing that all the time. Um, I've done it for hundreds of kilometres, thousands of kilometres. I don't even know. Mm. Um, but you do that at work and then you might be walking down the street and you do it. Mm. And then that hasn't stopped. Um, so those types of things create hypervigilance. Um, so you know, how do you train that out? Um, well, the interesting thing here with art is you try and take it sideways to some degree of going, hang on, what might be in this environment that would be amazing to draw or paint? Yeah. What here is inspiring? And try and refocus on, okay, do it a little bit less, but give it a new purpose. So if you started by you know, drawing the photos from your Italy trip, was there a logical progression as you drew and painted more? You, you know, was it landscapes, buildings, or just everything and anything, just to see what your hands and mind could do? It was mainly like I would just pick subjects that I was interested in. So landscapes first, buildings and so on. Um, and I think maybe that was, you know, I was returning back to my you know, military field sketching stuff, mm. you know, because um, that's what we would mainly do. Um, and that was kind of me observing out and looking at something so mm. familiar um but i was obviously under the hospital research i was one of the first people to be sponsored to um uh to go and do one of their short courses at adelaide central school of art um so they run them external like this they run at the the university environment but it's not a uni course it's mm. just a short course a bit of an intro um so they for some reason i i got picked to do the portraits course um with a, a guy called um Dr. Um, Daniel Connell, um, and he's a quite a very famous portrait artist here in South Australia, if not the country, um, and just a one, awesome guy. Um, you know, he's one of these personalities that's uh, certainly into um, the socially engaged practice, um, and I didn't really know much about that until a couple of weeks ago. Um, but you know, he's involved with the Indian community, um, but his whole practice is about. Uh, being in between cultures, you know, and doing mm -hmm. that stuff. And now that I've got more to know to know him, um, I can see, well, that's actually what I'm doing, can't really. You know, the military and civilian life, it's, I'm now in between You've cultures. You've got a foot in both camps. Yeah. Yep. Um, so doing his portraits course then got me to really engage with drawing someone's face and, and doing something that is like that is very intimidating um, to start off with. And then just jump into a... Uh, a class environment around a lot of people that can draw a lot better than you um, was 
you know, quite hard. Um, but also when I did this short course too, it was also part of my own recovery as well. So, you know, getting out of my house, going into an environment with different people, um, you know, that that um, exposure therapy stuff. So it was really good there. Um, and then very slowly my skill set for drawing people's faces um, in portraiture increased. Um, so I kept really building on it. I found it quite a challenge and I, th- I then started to kind of reflect back to my military service where we put a lot of importance on skill set. Um, so I started putting a lot of importance on my drawing skill set um, and that's what we did. I just kept tapping away with it. Um, I've got to be really good at this because mm. um, like in the military it's like the guy next to you will... If he can shoot better than you, you've got to try and get out there and shoot better than him. Yeah, you have to be able to look yeah. after each other, and to do that, you have to be the best you possibly can. Well, so it can be a really hard taskmaster, and then everything has to be done really well. Well, even it's it's even just a little bit more than that, and that's the, the whole competitive side of it. Mm. You know, infantry soldiers are very competitive. Mm. Um, you know, and, and that can, in some ways, be a good thing, and in other ways, be a really bad thing. It's a bit like um, being so situationally aware. It keeps you alive, mm. but also it's exhausting to not be able to enjoy what you're doing because you're telling yourself that wasn't good enough. Yep. Yeah. yeah so I, you know, the it's funny how the army takes the fun out of everything. Yeah. You know, um, you know I've, I've I've repelled out of choppers and all that type of stuff, but before I did it, I really you know didn't really feel like I was doing adventure training or having something doing something really cool because we just dr- drilled everything so hard. And next, I've slid out of a helicopter, hit the ground, and like, oh, is mm. that all it's about? Okay. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, it's all mission focused. Um, but yeah, so I built on that. And um, I was also part of the um, uh, veterans art program that was in Jamie Larkham. It'd run on a Monday. Um, it'd be for the outpatients, inpatients. So I did that quite a bit. Um, and that helped me through my recovery. Um, and then I started building on that. Um, hospital research. Um, then had a couple of exhibitions, which I uh, put some artwork in. Um and they also featured some of my stuff. I, I actually did a, um, a sketchbook up um, of one of my um, visits to um, Jamie Larkham Centre a while back and I made sure that I did a painting or drawing a day and I put it in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's some stuff there. I, drew, I did some poppies and stuff like that, so they, that was probably really cool for them to you know, put on their branding, so they put that up there and... Uh, and all of that stuff um, and it kind of grew from there. I, I um, got to a point where Hospital Research were doing a fundraising uh, activity and they um, Premier Stephen Marshall came down and they asked me to paint him something. So I went and painted his portrait um, and uh, I presented it to him that night. Um, so it was just kind of, you see what I mean? It was just yeah. a very steady kind of progress. Which is the ideal way to do anything. Little steps, yeah. little steps, lock it in. Next step, lock it in. Well, I, I also didn't realise that maybe I was uh, going through those little steps. It wasn't planned yeah. or anything. It just kind of happened. Um, but I think um, I'm looking back now and it's um, – I drove my own recovery because I just took little steps. Mm. I just kept chipping away. I just kept doing it. Um, I think some of us get into a um, place where it feels comfortable here. I'm not going to leave. And that stops our progression um, where I just kept – and I'm not having to go at those particular people, but I took a bit of a different approach and I just kept chipping away. Yeah, because very often people can keep moving as long as the 
environment is sort of familiar. But yeah. if the environment becomes too different, they don't know what toolkit to use. And maybe they find it, maybe they don't. The toolkit for moving step by step remains the same. Mm. If you've got it there, you can find it again. But you have to find it and you have to be able to implement it. And the wonderful thing that sounds like the fact that you, you know, you'd done the drawing, you had your phone, you had the photos of Italy, all these little pieces, thankfully, helped you to put one foot in front of the other and draw and paint the next thing. There's so many different hobbies that you could possibly have and there are so many different people and personalities. How is art something that everyone can get into? Like what, what I assume there are programs for other kinds of things, but... Yeah, look, um, there's... There's a whole heap of, and you've heard of all of these different um, veteran programs out there. Um, and I hate to say it, um, they, they've, they've all branded themselves, right? Mm. And there's part of that branding comes, you know, this one's this type of activity. It's got this really cool branding on it. It's really good to sell and it gets a lot of funding mm. um, where... The arts has never really been taken... Well, it's not really taken seriously in Australia for starters. No, just not, culturally as a whole. Yeah. It's a peripheral activity. If you went to Visual Europe... Art. If I went to Europe right now and I could paint to a certain level, um, I would be put on a social status level as yeah. the same as a, as a doctor. Yep. Yeah. But here in Australia, it's not. Um, yeah, and, someone's more likely to ask you here, oh, what, you paint houses? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Well, they just... You know, yeah. I, I think also, um, you know... A lot of people that have um, built this country, we've built it not with, you know, culture. We've built it with people getting out there and making stuff and building cities and all yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. We haven't been around long enough to have that real deep culture and Australia's always lacked in that area. You know, look what we do on Australia Day. You know, we have yeah. a barbecue and wear flip-flops. Yeah, it's kind know? of ironic, isn't it, that yeah. you know, we have rock art maybe as old as 60,000 years old. So the culture that was here for a very long time has that deep culture that connects to the land. We've zipped along in 200 plus years, building buildings, building train lines, building roads, making stuff to make life comfortable. Mm. But we haven't gone from comfortable to cultural yet. And then, so you then, you then now reflect back to veteran programs. Well, we take sport, sport is big in Australia. So if you're gonna have an adaptive sports program, mm. that's gonna be big. Mm. That's gonna be attractive to everyone. And we'll spend big dollars on it and people will be attracted to it. Mm. But the thing is with the adaptive sports stuff is not everyone can do it. Um, and to be honest, at the higher level stuff with, say, you know, Invictus Games or uh, Paralympics and that type of stuff, people have to be at the fitness level to be able to achieve mm. um, and, and get on those teams. And this is where we've kind of lost our way with a little bit of it. Um, and that is, um, particularly the adaptive sports stuff is, maybe not about the veteran um, recovery it's about winning medals yeah it's about it's about all that stuff so that we can secure funding oh, so yeah. we can continue on with our programs yeah. where the the veteran art stuff um it's not really that important it's classed as just give some guys some pencils and some paper and put them in a in an old rsl hall yeah. and that'll tick the box but we don't realize um the power of that and what it does and how everyone across the veteran community can be involved in it regardless of your how many injuries you've got yeah. uh, where your mental status is you can get your families involved and all of that stuff um, we need to understand that art is for life well, you know, words are for life sport is one of those things you can do for a while yeah it's a transition activity 
but it's not one that can really mm. stick and have that positive impact forever because it's too dependent on a youngish body or a desire to do physical training where you simply yeah. wear yourself out. You need something that transcends youth and physicality mm. and is about quieting and growing the mind. Yeah, and, and look, there's nothing wrong with adaptive sports and there's nothing wrong with the physical side of it whatsoever mm. and, it's, and it's another part. But all I'm trying to say is that, mm. you know, at the moment the arts side of it isn't that important. You know, this is where I'm promoting that look, we should make it more important. Um, oh, yeah. And I'll talk about that in a, in a little bit. But so, look, I started doing a few more short courses at Adelaide Central School um, and I still remained within the um, Veterans Art Program um, out of Jamie Larkham. And things, my skill set just keep developing and developing. Um, and that's where I started really thinking about, well, where do I want to go with this? Um, and um, I had a number of different directions. Um, I've got a friend of mine who's um, high up in the public service here in Adelaide and um, and he was even trying to poach me to come and work for him. Um, but still, look, my, my injuries and my mental health weren't kind of up to going back into a, you know, government public service type environment which is very similar to the military mm. and being in that environment I, I, I still struggle working you know with people mm. um, and also the public service is um, that environment where a lot of politics um, you want, I'm, a, I'm a doer so going in there trying to get, motivate people to do stuff I think I'd probably struggle um, because maybe they might not have that same focus or they just have so many hurdles and hoops yeah. Like yeah. you had an army that yeah. mean hurry up and wait. Yeah. Like you've done a lot of years of hurry up and wait. It's now time to have a little less hurry up and wait perhaps. Well, also with my recovery, you know, I don't want it to be stalled by someone else. Yeah. I want to have control of it. And if it's if I'm suddenly being slowed down, that could be bad. Yeah. So yeah. um I thought well that's probably not a good direction for me to go in. Um so I then started thinking about well what else can I kind of do? Um and a lot of people, when I was doing the short courses, not saying that they were trying to recruit or anything, they do recruit during those courses <laughs> to get people to come on to the school. Um, but I was encouraged certainly to come and start the degree. Um, so I had a good think about it. I didn't just do it. I, I actually took a couple of years to work up the ability to feel comfortable to go and start something. Um, to be confident of your competence to really see it through and do it yeah, right. Yeah, and I, I, I also didn't want to waste my time or anyone else's. Yeah. Um, I did look at uh, DVA's got a um, a uh, education program, um, and I did consider trying to access that. But even still today, I'm I'm not in a real position to kind of access that um, because they want you to jump through hoops. Um, with regards to that, they want you to go out and do testing and they want you to do, um, they'll look at the job and they'll do a job analysis um, and all of that stuff. And I didn't want to go through all that stressful stuff. They know what then, they know and that is how to institutionalise well, things. Well, to then go, because they do, I understand why they, they do like a vocational assessment mm. and they they go and um, look at the job availability. They want to know whether, yes, you can, can you can or cannot you do the, d the degree mm. and, then, and have you got the capability to engage with, say, um, um, yeah, academic stuff, and you know, is there going to be a job at the end of it? Um, so, I mean, let's have a look at the art space. Um, 
I, you go and do a search for painter on or artist painter on Seek, mm-hmm. zero jobs come up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you've got to um, work out your own way to do this because there's no formal way to do this. Well, I mean, I went, there's, yeah. they use a special site that looks at all the demographics of jobs across the country and you put in artist painter, there's 2,100 people in that job across the country. In 25 Whoa. million people. So DVA are going to look at that and go, sorry, John, we're not going to fund your degree because there's only 2,100 people and the probability of you getting a job after this degree is unlikely. Mm. Um, so because of that number... Where if I put in lawyer, seventy five thousand jobs. Bing, 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 bing. So they go, all right, we'll fund a lawyer's degree, uh, but we won't fund you to go to art school. Um, so that's where the kind of the black and white stuff is, and I, that stuff was really affecting my mental health. So I decided I, I don't want to be part of it, um, and you know that's another flaw that DVA most likely need to look at with regards to re-educating uh, veterans to have purpose in the in the community. Um, so look, I decided not to go down that road, and then I decided just to fund it myself. Um, so I started mid last year, um, and I started off with a couple of subjects, um, so drawing and studio practice. Um, and I started at Adelaide Central School of Art. So um, quite intimidating when I started. I've just gone, wow! Like I've been in the army for how many years? Now I'm going to step on a uni campus. Um, but look, I did kind of like their environment too because it's like if I was going to UniSA, how many students are on that campus buzzing yeah. around the place? The nice thing is you're a lovely small campus for artists. And it's not far yeah. from JLC. I'm fully aware of the environment and the place it is and all that yeah. stuff. Um, so I already felt comfortable. I'd done some short courses there. So I'd already psychologically prepared myself to start. Yep. Um, and I think some people don't even understand that. Like I had to spend what a couple of years preparing myself just to start at a uni, at a small uni campus. Yep. So it was big, a lot, lot of chipping away for a lot of years, um, and then I started, um, and it was it was funny going from the short course to then going into the into that university environment because the short course has a different dy- dynamic of or demographic of people compared to what's in the uni side. Um, so that was a bit challenging when I started. A lot of well, so the the um, just to describe the demographic of the place. Um, uh, there's 75, no, 85% women, 15% guys. So the opposite of army. Opposite. Um, mm. I've, you know, I was in a corps where we didn't have women. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of them now, but um, I worked for many years in a male-only environment. Mm. So I'm now in into this environment. And as part of that cohort, um, the classroom would be divided as simply as this. Half were retired people mm. in the in that Unley Glenside area who've got a, a lot of money and they're going, oh, I'm retired now, what do I do? Oh, let's go to Adelaide Central School and do that arts degree I always wanted to do. Mm. Mm. So they're very driven, but it's a different group of people than you're used to dealing well, with. And and that's this and I'll get to it in a sec, but that's actually been a good thing. Mm. Then you've got about um, um, a one fifth of the class are middle aged, my age, and then the rest are all just out of school. Mm. Mm. Um, and probably never even had a job yet uh, or before. Um, so very kind of different. Um, and that environment I've found has actually been quite balanced um, because you've got the older cohort, which is a little bit larger than the very young cohort out of, out of, um, out of school, and that older cohort balanced the room. Um, 
you know, you've, you've got these young kids who have this a totally different mindset um, and don't know much around the world. And that la- that older cohort gives the balance. Um, mm. So I found that kind of ha- helped me a bit. Um, I think if I was surrounded by 18-year-olds mm-hmm. and I was the only like 40, you know, five-year-old infantry platoon sergeant, uh, I don't know how that would work. <laughs> I think someone probably would have been thrown off the third-story balcony by now. But <laughs> that hasn't bad. happened yet, you know. <laughs> Dealing with 18-year-olds when you're not 18 is hard for... For most people, even harder well, in yeah. your position, I think, when the, your dose of reality is um, much larger than they could even conceive. So th- so I rocked into school, um, went to uni, and I was there for a while, and then I could see that people were starting to get a bit comfortable with the environment after about the five-week mark, and then attendances were dropping off, or people would rock in 15, 20, 30, 45 Oof. minutes late. Yeah. They're not dressed appropriately. They're not listening to the teacher. They're doing their own thing. Total disrespect and talking over people and, and all the rest of it. Um, and you can quite imagine as a <laughs> environment I've come from, um, I'm normally the guy up the classroom throwing a duster across the room saying, get your chin up, look at me mm. and listen to what I'm saying. And I'm just looking around the place going, I was starting to get ang- angry. Yeah. yeah, You know what I mean? Um so I've had to deal with that um, and it's been hard and it continues. Um, so that's been some challenges. But the good thing for me though is um, I've stepped through all this process to get to uni but the uni for me has now started to turn into a bit of a, um internal analysis for myself to realise I'm actually starting to learn who I am because I think amongst the army they programmed me to be a certain person Mm. um, that wasn't actually me and now I'm actually going back and starting to actually revisit so some of the arts projects we've done we've kind of had to like you know give a self-representational portrait and when I went through that or a non-representational portrait where you you know you you pull out objects and Mm. all that type of stuff and I think through that process that made me look back at my myself and I had to go and dive back to you know when I was born and where I am now and all the things that happen in between. Um, so it's kind of turned into that. Um, I didn't think it was going to turn into that either. <laughs> yeah, but the great um, thing of doing it in that environment that you're now becoming familiar with and you're getting a sense of how it works is you're doing the new thing, which is that deep reflection <laughs> mm. in an environment that gives it structure. You know what you need to do. You may not always be comfortable, but you know next week you'll be in class again. So it's a really good combo of grow. But, you know, in an environment where you go, I'm starting to be confident in this environment. I mean, art as well, you would imagine, well, I imagine as a pretty decent window into who you are, what... What can be if people are willing to go there. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, if I got out of the army and got a public service job, I wouldn't have been able to do that. No, you never would have reflected on who do you want to be now. No, so so I I didn't even... Because, again, this is all... Uh, it's a funny stepping through life. Um, you don't know what's coming up next. And I've always had that approach where mm. I'll just go and do it. And then I've gone and done it. And then I've gone, oh, and then that's taken me a bit of a path to go, I'm going to go left to right or I'm going to go, you know, the third right. Yeah. And then that takes me on a left and I'll take another right. Um, I've jumped into this, not expecting much from it. And things have come out of it. Um, so, no, it's been... Um, mm. it's been good and bad and it's been certainly challenging but all that aside um, I then because I've I've seen that 
art has helped me get to this stage where I'm at uni. Um, and then we had COVID hit. Um, and that stopped the art group happening at Unley on Mondays mm. because of all the restrictions with SA Health. Um, I saw the importance of that. Yeah. And the group of guys and girls that would go to that were really starting to get mentally affected by it because, believe it or not, that Monday would be – it would get someone out of bed once a week and get in their car or get on public transport and have to go there and then go home again. It was so, essential to people's well-being. And mm. meet up with yeah. people who understand the environment because yeah. you know, people don't understand veteran mental health across the country. Um, we talk about it a lot. Um, people go, oh, that poor veteran and, and all that stuff, we're going to provide resources. But they don't understand it. And I don't expect people to understand. But once you're in it, you have a very deep appreciation for what it is. And that's why I looked at this stuff on a Monday and even though it might be just getting someone out of bed that is very important mm. um, and getting someone to be with a group of like-minded people is very mm. important it keeps people alive and it's that it can always be that extreme I spoke to the arts tutor who um, is employed by um, hospital research and uh, I said to her look I've got an idea how about we um, we run this art group somewhere else and uh, she's like yeah let's have a look at it so I went away and I uh, did the old military tactician stuff <laughs> and I uh, got out a map and I said right let's run this at an RSL now we've got a lot of issues with RSLs about to close around the country um, old aging populations they don't want to hand it over to the younger cohort um, let's just inject into an RSL revitalize it and let's keep it going and let's let's give it an arts theme mm. so got out my map i picked a number of different places i even found an rsl in norwood that i didn't even know was there um so <laughs> so i thought right no dramas jumped in the car went down knocked on the door i went to i went to norwood rsl knocked on the door no one home i looked around there's a gate open in the side i walked through the back back door and i walked in and there was, because the, uh, the Norwood RSL is the back corner of the Norwood football oval, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, that particular time, they were doing a uh, rebuild, the Norwood Football Club. So I went through the back. The uh, There was a, two people in there at desks. There were boxes stacked to the ceiling with Norwood football gear all over it. And I looked around, said, excuse me. <laughs> and this lady goes, oh, um, yeah, sorry, what would you like? Um I said, look, I would like to speak to someone from the RSL. And she said, oh, yeah, look, um, with the Norwood Football Club, the Norwood RSL, they do have a desk over there, but they're not here very often. And I just thought, this is a bit random, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> what is going on here? So I went outside, got in my car. I went back onto the website. They had a phone number and I rang this number and this lady answered and I said, oh, you know, look, I'm John, I'm from the Veteran Art Group. I just want to make some inquiries. We'd like to come down and possibly run some exhibitions here because I thought that's maybe something we could start off running some exhibitions, proving to these RSLs we're the relevance. a good, good bunch yep. of people and could we come in? So I thought stuff like that. And she said, oh, so who are you from? I said, Veteran Art Group. She goes, oh, okay. Um, and you want to use that hall? And I'm going, yeah. She goes, oh, when would you want to use it? I said, 
oh, probably weekends, you know, get people down. He goes, oh, I don't know about that. Look, the, it might upset the football club and, and um, they're using it. And look, uh, could you ring us back in 18 months and and <laughs> oh, we, we might be able to facilitate something. So, mate, in all my, in all my career, I've never rocked up to an RSL and been turned away. Yeah. And turned away over the phone. Yeah. So for eighteen months. <laughs> so the old infantry platoon sergeant got a bit pissed off, and I got in my car and I drove straight into town. I went to Torrance Parade Ground. I walked straight up the stairs. I knocked on the door on the desk and I said, "Excuse me, <laughs> I want to talk to the president right now." And uh, they got, "Oh, look, you have to book in." And what's it about? And I said, "I just explained to her what's going on." And so I've just been turned away from one of your ourselves. What is going on? And uh, anyway, I said, look, we told this lady at the front desk we want to run an arts program and, you know, we'll inject into an RSL eventually and all that type of stuff. And you know, I thought you guys were good guys and wanted us younger veterans to get involved um, and all, that, all the rest of it. So anyway, we locked in a, in a date uh, a couple of weeks later and we had to change things, you know, timings because it was, you know, people availability and stuff. So I got myself the arts tutor. Um, and there was another guy who um, runs um, some veteran art stuff off south of Adelaide. So we all went in. Um, I went and spoke to the, uh, the the president of RSL State Branch and I spoke to uh, the CEO. Um, so we went in there. I presented a, a full um, a full concept brief, everything, boof, sent it in. Um, and it was kind of written in a bit of military style, you know, um, like it would be for a... a a back brief on yeah. you know proposals again you know, everyone should be familiar with this so it should make yeah. sense to everyone because and, of their previous experience and and the reason why i did that was to um i'm talking to um military ex-military people they understand it um so i was trying to talk in their language um i think the ceo of the place didn't get it because <laughs> he went oh mission yeah i've got to put a mission statement in there you know <laughs> our mission is too and uh Anyway, we sat down for a good hour and talked about it. Um, they were quite positive of, of it. Um, I was the new guy on the block. They're, they don't know who I am. I'll, I could be some con man or something like that. Um, that wasn't at all what was going on. Um, so they had their doubts in the beginning. Um, and not they, they supported, but not in the full support way that I thought, that I kind of experienced in the army. And obviously, they're just being a little bit careful. So we started to revisit and have a look at the um, uh, the Norwood RSL space. Um, they did a they went and spoke to those particular people um, who run the place um, and it just uh, we didn't go down that track because of the political stuff that was going around that RSL. So anyway, uh, we decided I, I was doing some networking with some other guys and only RSL came up. So I went down and spoke to the only RSL. They were very welcoming of us to come in um, and we've established the Veterans Art Group down at Unley. Um, so we've been there, we had an official opening in September last year and since January, because of COVID was mucking us around and towards the end of last year, um, we've run the Veterans Art Program every Wednesday there. Um, and essentially the same as what we did at Jamie Larkham, but we've done it on Wednesdays. Um, so runs every Wednesday. Um, we've had from 12 to 25 people rock up on a Wednesday uh, every week and it does really uh, at this stage um, bring in those people that have been in Jamie Larkham and are in that environment. Um, there's a cohort of guys and girls that um, 
have been through that place and go back there sometimes um, but it really does provide a service for them but we're bringing in other people um, into the veterans art space so that's where we're at this stage um, we're um, coming up in a uh, the next uh, few months we're um, we're going to run a Sala event oh good yeah so that's in, excellent so 13 14 15 August uh, we're running a Sala event South Australian Living Artist Festival um, and I've brought in a uh, guy who finished his honours at Adelaide Central School and he's doing a body of work about um, veterans and identity. Um, so he's doing his massive pa- pastel drawings. They're like 1.6 high, 2 metres wide. Wow. Um, and he's basically like just in a bit of a conceptual drawing so it's not like realism or anything but it still looks like someone's face but it's got his style in it and he's interviewing each veteran and talking about their story and it's we've picked a heap of veterans that have been involved in the veteran art space um it hasn't just been anyone really different cohorts so some vietnam veterans um there's uh, we've got an aboriginal vietnam veteran um we've got uh, a mate of mine, uh, you may have heard of a guy called Robert Langdon. Yep, heard the name. Okay, so uh, he was uh, he was in the army with me. He got out and did private security into Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, he got himself in a bit of trouble in Afghan, uh, had a uh, worker pull a gun on him and he shot that person yep. uh, dead. And then he, he tried to flee the country and he got locked in an Afghan prison for about seven, eight years. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of that story. <laughs> So Rob, he's coming down in the next couple of weeks and we'll get his portrait done. And he wrote a book as well. It's called The Seventh Circle. You know, all of these different people, different cohorts from the um, mm. environment being put up. Um, and then I've got Dr. Daniel Connell, one of the... Um, Your so, portrait teacher. Yeah, correct. So he's networked with him. He's going to come in and do a, an artist talk on veterans and art. Um, so this is looking really good. Is there going to be a portrait of you or have you managed yeah, to hide? No, so... It's kind of interesting because the the guy who did his honours and he, you know, left. He hasn't done any work yet. He hasn't done any like um, commissions or or any big art projects. But I brought him straight in. So this has been a really big project for him and his development. Yep. And he's decided that we're gonna he's gonna do a dual portrait. So me and him in the same portrait. And then we're going to do an interview and we're going to talk about how I met him, how he met me, how we've stepped through the process of building this body of work, his involvement in the veteran art space, and how he's done the portraiture, but I've come up with the idea and we've collaboratively kind of put it together. That sounds like a really great thing to yeah. capture so people can understand it just from listening to a conversation. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a really interesting show. Um and amongst that, the veterans are going to produce their work as well and they'll have that displayed um, and all the rest of it. So the, the Friday is going to be an official opening um, and I've invited a heap of VIPs, uh, including Steve Marshall. I've invited him to be there. Um, we've invited Ben Quilty. So I've spoken to him over over the net and he's quite willing to come. I'm not sure whether he'll be there. And yeah, I can't fingers promise crossed any of these with people. COVID, but it'd be great yeah. if he could. Well, imagine if I could get these people there. And, and um, some people kind of, you know, they, uh, particularly amongst the veteran cohort, if, you, if your picture's taken or video's taken and it's put on the news, normally you have to pay a carton. 
Mm. Like, how many cartons are we going to have to pay out of this? Yeah, cheap you beer, know? man. Cheap beer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my missus went and bought, I think it was Hammer or something from Audi. I think it was like 15 bucks for 24. I might have to pull those out. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, but look, for the veteran art stuff to evolve, it has to be seen in the community. Mm. Um, and people need to come out and support it because, you know, we need resources to make this turn from in a hall with some pencils and paper and do it for an hour. Well, does the reciprocal work? I mean, I don't want to take it to this place, but, you know, Stephen Marshall being seen with the veteran, like with veterans, veterans, yep. Yep. does that get hit? Does that garner him veterans' votes? Well, or do people sort of, it's it's too sort of not generally? It's a small group of the, people. It, well, it, that too. it is, okay. it is too yeah. small a group, particularly in Adelaide. Yeah. But, but look, He's pretty genuine with supporting the veteran. It's community. all about profile. Yeah. They're just upping the profile that yeah. art is central to well-being right. and a civilized society. Mm. Yeah, and he's 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 also the arts minister for South Australia as well. Yeah. That's one of his other. Yeah, values. he actually likes it. That's why he picked it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. So the veterans okay. and the arts, um, you know, portfolio. So, you know, he's got a decent, yeah, you know, genuine yeah, kind of interest yeah. in this stuff and. Um, having him down there, he's going to see us doing good work, and mm. the and with his portfolio, with him having to punch out resources to support this stuff, he's going to come down. And hopefully, I can't speak for him, but I think if you know if we put on a good show and demonstrate to him, this is what veterans and veteran artists can do. Mm. Um, it might help these guys further support us. Mm. Yeah, they um, need to see what can be done yeah. so that they can make a solid argument yeah. for limited resources. And again, this is a kind of event by the sound of it, they'll be able to make such a solid argument for, well, this had a big impact. Mm. It's worth repeating. Yeah. And it's a growable model. The relationship you built with this honours student, the relationship with veterans, the relationship with the art teachers, this is growing a really solid network of people to support this to grow and move yeah, forward. Yeah, as opposed to a, like, let's a one say single... Artist, yeah, and what and 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 I didn't realise what this is, but it's actually what we call socially engaged practice. Mm-hmm. It's a form of art. Yep. So, getting veteran artists to get into a group once a week is socially engaged practice. It's not necessarily about the artworks that's produced. It's about the social engagement. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's about, you know, particularly the veteran art space. Well. This is one thing that we're doing, but I've got other projects that I'd like to do down the track. Mm. Um, and, for example, I've talked to the um, uh, Port Adelaide Council about, uh, I don't know if you've heard of painter pole, so painting um, oh, yeah. stoby yeah. poles. So Very cool. I thought, well, a lot of people just go out there and paint a stoby pole at the front of their house. Well, how about, how about I pick a street and we pick a theme for that street and we paint every pole in the street? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And... How about I get a heap of veterans down there and then I'll get a heap of people out of my old painting class at uni to mix together. We come up with a plan. I speak to the locals in the street and say, what do you want painted on the pole? How about I got this idea? And then we spend a weekend and we paint all the poles. Yep, and make a little video about the process over the couple of days there so you can put it all up on YouTube. Yep. What it looks like at the end, how it got there, how people interacted. Yeah. I'd but love that if that was on my street. But, that, <laughs> but what that is is... It's not just about the social media and the advertisement. No. It's, it's it's socially engaged practice. And that's why you need to show the process of it developing yeah. and being done because mm. that's where so much of the value is. And the veteran is now going to, is, if they want to get involved with this, is going to talk to a different cohort of people. But yeah. the common theme is 
you find art important. Mm. Yeah. So you've got a link already. It's not just let's grab some veterans and go down to the sailing club. Yeah, let's do adventure activities, which are a thrill. But again, where's the long-term connection mm. or the long-term growth? And the, the, the artists in my class who may get involved are now going to hear from some veterans doing art on a different spectrum and they might learn something from them. Mm. Yeah. And then the veteran artist might learn something from the other people. Mm. Socially engaged practice. So that's where we're kind of heading. Um, the other thing that I've had the, the guy do who... Because I needed to find him a, um, a studio space because he does these very large portraits. He can't do them in his bedroom. Mm. Yeah. Um, and he can't afford to... You know, he hasn't got any money. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's, just had, he's got a part-time job, but that's not, not enough to go and pay for a space and then have you know, time aside from that. Yeah. So he lives down near Port Adelaide Way. So I spoke to the defence shed. I spoke to the defence shed and said, hey, man, like um, I've got a guy doing a body work for a, a sailor show. Um, is there any chance we can use your space? And they're like, no worries at all. So they gave, they've given us a space for free um, and I've set up a massive easel um, 2.4 by 2.4 square wow. Yeah, wow. and made these legs so it just all stands up and he can plug his um, paper on the wall and he's now doing his stuff in there and and what's happened there as well with the again back to socially engaged practice he's now this guy's got he looks totally different to a veteran he's got pink hair he's um, talks differently to us um, mm. you know he looks different mm not normally what people veterans would engage with and he's been thrown in that environment he then goes around he's, he's now engaging with the veterans at the defense shed mm. and talking about stuff and they're slowly getting to know him they've broken all the barriers down yeah and now he's drawing stuff and socially engaging now he's finding out about the veteran space and i found after a couple of weeks of putting him in that in that environment which is a little bit uncomfortable for him and uncomfortable for them um, and now all that's been washed away, he's now going, wow, I didn't know that this is what this like culture was about. Mm. Yep. So Everyone wins. He's now able to reflect that into the portraits he's doing. So yeah. this mm. hasn't just been me sending him off doing portraits. He's now socially engaging with the veteran community mm. to produce something. Yeah. And as part of all of this too, um, it's now giving the defence shed some di- a different angle of purpose yeah um and it's also giving them um a little bit of attention in the area we had the um uh, one of the guys who deals with the uh, arts and cultural stuff come over and have a look and he's an artist himself and he's gone wow man look at this stuff yeah so um, the great thing is once yeah. again this network of connectedness yeah. through art grows this network of meaning and cultural understanding mm. and awareness grows and and so as part of this show i've had to, i'm building some facades to go up inside the RSL, um, so that we've got hanging space and it looks like a more modern um, gallery space. And these all these facades are going to be painted nice and white with a hanging system and lighting and stuff. Um, so I've approached Heroes on the Homefront. Um, they've got a new space up in Kersbrook Forest out of a shed, a big in, um, a forestry shed. Um, they've put themselves out there um, and they've donated a heap of timber. Um, we've gone up there and... Um, we're starting to make facades up and I've, obviously we've cut all the materials up and, and done all that stuff but we've formed another relationship with them mm. yeah so i've just found out with all of this stuff it's like you've got all these ex-service organizations across 
this um, Adelaide, but they don't talk to each other. No, how do we link them up? Uh, yeah, they need a common theme. Yeah. And if you can be the facilitator of the common theme of art and through art, awareness and understanding and appreciation, everyone wins. So this isn't just about a solo show. This is mm. about a lot more. This is about linking in the community. And I don't think anyone has thought about doing that. Mm. You know, and I know that there's people up high in RSL and you know, across Veterans SA and, uh, and other places that want to kind of try and promote this. But I think it works if it's down at the coalface. Works like, if people connect. Yeah, yeah. So instead of, you know, say RSL state president going, you guys will work together and form a relationship, you know, or, or, or facilitate it, um, the, both the ESOs are going to go, well, I don't want to go talk to him. Yeah. But then if I rock up and say, hey, man, can you help us out? Oh, yeah, no worries, mate. I've, all, every time I've kind of gone and spoken to different ESOs, quite willing to support. Yeah, make it practical and immediate. Yeah, yeah but but what did I do in the army? <laughs> what did I do in the army? I, like when in some of these roles, I needed bits of gear. I needed people mm, to yep. jump on and assist and provide drivers to a course, or yep. you know, I need to borrow weapons from here, or I need this stuff from there. So. So all your pre-existing skill set reapplied. Yeah. yeah. So yep. so so networking in the military, people just think, oh, you know, people just just you know, um, you give an order and they do it. No, mm. no, no. You've you've got to network with people. Build and network. Mm. Well, I I used to yep. go when I was in uh, one of the battalions. I used to always when I was when I was a young lance corporal, I got to, uh, taught by the very senior corporals I had. You need to go down the queue store, mate, and you need to go down and have a chat with them. And make him a coffee, and sit there for about an hour and talk to him. And uh, I go, what do I want to do that for? Mm. You know, I go talk to the Kiwis for. And they go, because when you're a two IC, you need to be able to get stuff. And I'm going, okay, all right. So they even took me down there and showed me because I was a really young lad. Yep. And uh, anyway, got started talking to the Kiwis, and then next you know, um, hey man, what are you doing Saturday night? I'm going out in the out in the town in you know, Townsville, right? Gets to know these guys, and then next you know, it's like, oh, my bloke's got ripped cams. And I ring up old mate, say, Hey, mate, can can I get all my bloke's cams like um, fixed? Because we just went over the uh, some wire on an ops course, and they're going, Mate, send them down today, we'll get them all fixed. So yep. I'll go down there, get all the stuff. And then next you know, the other two ICs in the platoon are going, Why is Dunk's guys walking around with new cams on? <laughs> and then they go down there and, uh, and say, Well, just go down the queue. I said, Just go down the queue store, mate. They go down there, come back, and they go, they told me to piss off, mate. They threw something at me. And I said, oh, okay. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, because I I, I knew these guys and mm. went down there and said, hey, mate, can you help us out? Like, these guys will bend over backwards. The problem is when the army is, you get the big, tough infantry soldier goes, I'm going to go speak to the pogues. Yeah. I'm going to go and speak to, you know, those guys down there. Well, if you go down and speak to them, mate, you know, treat them with respect you might actually get stuff done. Mm. So I've taken that to this whole thing, you know. It's yep. not it's not in any way using or manipulating people at all. It's about building relationships yep. and getting people to work together and getting people to feel as though and they are and they should be everyone's equal in the community. Mm. And I think people don't get it. And I and this we do have still have problems in the RSL with that that issue and you know, Vietnam veterans came back and they weren't allowed to go in the RSL and they were told to piss off and all that type of stuff. Well, you know what? When I came back from East Team, it was the same. Yeah. I, I rocked up to Anzac Day in 2006. I, I um, 
I had a small stint in the army and I, I went up to one of our association and I asked to march with them on Anzac Day and they told me to piss off and get down the back with the peacekeepers. All these Vietnam vets, you know? And then that <laughs> it just hasn't changed, you know? No. And, and it still exists. Mm-hmm. And and this is, the, this is um, where I think going back to what we're doing, we're getting rid of that, you know? Um, but it just needs to, it, it can't, I can't be the one that does it. Everyone needs to get on board yeah, and do that. No, you can apply your yeah. skills and your experience to get it moving yeah. and then other people can use the lesson and get their bit moving. Well, if people can see what we're doing too, then other people might do it. That's how yeah. it starts. Yeah. Um, so um, that's where I just see, look, um, and, and I think it it also needs, um, how can I say it? This is where I pull the card of being an infantry platoon sergeant. They see an infantry platoon sergeant doing this and people will listen if it was, mm. you know, a blanket folder down the back not having to go with blanket folders but they may not have the same influence you know what i mean yeah um so i'm quite willing to get out there and, and get it going so it's it's been really positive um so that's that's where we're at at this stage so it's um yeah it's going great guns oh look john it's great to have got a summary episode up now to show the transition from army to art and everything you've been able to achieve to get people moving in this positive direction Listeners, if you want to hear how this story begins, make sure you listen to the episodes that will be recorded later that will tell you what happened earlier. Thank you very much, John Duncan, for being with us today. Thanks very much for having me. And we look forward to having you back again. And Tim, thank you as ever. (laughs) Thanks, listeners. Bye, audience. Hello, audience. Thank you for listening to Blind Insights. If you're enjoying the show, please remember to subscribe and share your favorite episodes or leave us a review if you really love us. We'd love to hear from you. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter at Blind Insights or send us a recorded question to the email in the description to feature on an episode. Also, don't forget that we have merchandise. Thank you to the Oscast Network. Peace out.